And today is the last Sunday in our Not Ashamed series. Even in chains and in prison, Paul was not ashamed of his love for God. In his letter to Timothy, Paul is addressing his belief that he has been faithful in his calling to ministry. Let us pray a prayer for illumination. God, we ask every time we hear your word and a message is shared that your spirit guide our thoughts and our hearts to transform through your grace to be the disciples you are calling us to be. Disciples who gather together today because we believe in you. I pray this through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now we have a scripture reader. Today's scripture is from 2 Timothy verses, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 through 8 and 16 through 18. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. At my first defense, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength, so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed, and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, I wasn't here last week because the other day, Mike and I received a scare. You see, my daughter's pregnant, and she's due in November, and she called us to tell us she was having some trouble and she was going to be admitted into the hospital with complications. When she called me, I could hear it. Fear. She was so scared. And I'm three hours away. You know, when she called me, I couldn't be with her. So I did what I could do. I immediately turned to God. And I started praying. Not for her healing, not for the baby's healing, but for her to feel God's loving presence as she went through trouble and could have lost her baby. You see, I know that my God is faithful, and my God is always with me through the dark and through the light events. But my daughter's on a spiritual journey of her own, and I want her to be able to relate to the God I know in my heart, the God that is always with me. 
So I began praying. And then I was like, ooh, God's with her, and I'm way over here, and I don't want to be over here. I want to be with her. So I looked at Mike, and I said, Mike, I can't do it. I can't stay away from her. I need to go be with my daughter. So he said, let's go. So we did what any good parent would do. We loaded up our car, threw clothes in there, and if we forgot something, we didn't need it, and we took off. I didn't tell her I was coming because I didn't want her to get anxious knowing I was on the way. But the whole way there, I would text her to check on her. I'd call her between the tests and things and the doctors in there. And then when I walked in that door, I don't know who shed the first tear. Was it me or was it her or did we do it at the same time? But she wasn't alone. She had God, but then she was going to have her mother. And I remember going up to her, not saying a word, and just giving her that human hug, that feeling of arms around her to let her know she was not alone. You see, that hug brought comfort to me and her, and if you see, it brings tears to me today too, because she let me know that she had felt a presence before I had got there. And that she was okay. So I knew that my God, the one I believe in, the one you believe in, was with her. And she was not alone. I do have to tell you she's doing well today. She made it to the baby shower. That was one of our jokes that we shared last week to try to make the spirit light last weekend when I was with her was just hold out till the baby shower. Then after the baby shower, if you have the baby, we'll deal with it. But she was all upset. I'm not even going to make it to my baby shower. I'm going to have the baby before. She made it. And we had our baby shower yesterday, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful to have people present and supporting You see, in the passage today, Paul writes about his life being poured out like a sacrifice to God, about living a life that is like an offering to God, giving yourself to Jesus, your life being a story of love by living in response to God's love through costly discipleship. When I read Paul's explanation of his discipleship, I cannot help but think of my dad. You see, I grew up with a dad who loves basketball and who decided to take the calling to be the little basketball coach at the local elementary and junior high. So I grew up all around basketball and and his experiences of teaching the children You see, Paul, when you read this passage, he uses language that connects discipleship with being an athlete. Language that doesn't speak about winning a game, but language that speaks about endurance and perseverance. We need endurance and perseverance to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It gives us images that tell about the difference between that cheap grace and that costly grace discipleship that I speak about. Saying that he fought a good fight 
finishing and keeping the faith speaks about Paul's endurance and perseverance. You see, when you read the Bible, you find out that Paul is all about costly discipleship. Paul writes about the champion's wreath waiting for him, a wreath that is rewarded to him for his righteousness. Can you define righteousness? What does Paul mean when he speaks about righteousness? And who determines righteousness? Paul says that the Lord is the righteous judge. The Lord will give Paul his champion wreath. Paul tells Timothy that the Lord will give it to all people who have their hearts set and are waiting for Jesus' second appearance. God wants us to love and obey him. And God wants us to yearn for his presence. God wants us to be filled with love for him as he is filled with love for us. The Old Testament affirms this belief. If you go to Deuteronomy, one example, 11, Deuteronomy 11.22 reads, It's true. If you carefully keep all this commandment that I'm giving you by doing it, by loving the Lord your God, by walking in all his ways, and by clinging to him. The New Testament speaks this truth. Paul speaks it many times. In Galatians 5, verses 5 through 6, it says, We eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness through the Spirit by faith. Being circumcised or not being circumcised doesn't matter in Jesus Christ. But faith, working through love, does matter. Some people live with the belief that if we work hard, we can achieve anything we want in life. And there's nothing wrong with working hard. But this achievement mindset can cloud our vision of Jesus' ways. When we read the Old Testament, we learn that to obey God is to do. When we have a mindset that is driven by achievement, we take on legalistic visions of righteousness. When we read the New Testament, we find that obeying God is believing Embracing and receiving grace given to us in Jesus Christ. The New Testament teaches us that we cannot achieve our salvation. We are to receive it. The perfect righteousness of God is witnessed in our Savior's blood. The sinner who believes is free and can say, The Savior died for me. Can point to the atoning blood and say, 
this made my peace with God. Righteousness is a spiritual gift. When we are cloaked in righteousness, when we are justified in Jesus Christ, we are becoming the person God calls us to be. Righteousness of God is through the works of Jesus Christ for the salvation of a sinner. You and I are sinners. The Lord who rescued Paul and saved him for his heavenly kingdom is the Lord who saves all of us. He is the righteous judge when he comes again. And you are gathered here together today because you have faith that Jesus is coming again. I read a book. There's this little book by Steve Harper. And some of you may have read it. It's, it's the um, Five Marks of Being a Methodist. It's the Fruit of Living Faith. And today's message with Paul speaks about two of those marks of being a Methodist. You see, as Methodists, we believe in the transforming power of God's grace. Prevenient grace that pulls us to God when we don't even realize it. Grace that speaks to us about a love that is beyond compare. There's a word for that, and it's called agape love. A love that is unconditional, unrelenting, unending, and unbelievable. The first mark of discipleship is not a call to increase our love, but to receive God's love. The first mark of a disciple of Jesus Christ is to be a person like Paul who loves and has faith in our Lord. The next few verses in the passage speak a truth about our interactions in today's world. What happens when Paul, to Paul when he becomes a disciple of Jesus Christ who loves God? He goes to trial. And during his first court hearing, he is alone and unsupported. No one took his side in the hearing Paul writes the words, everyone deserted me. Have you ever felt this way or had this happen to you? And how does Paul react? Does he seek revenge because no one took his side? Does he seek to have his own way? No. Paul shows the first mark of being a Methodist in how he reacts. Agape love pours out of him. He wants God to forgive those people. He says, I hope that God doesn't hold it against them. Paul's mindset shows us that the love of God produces joy. There is only one place to begin and end our faith journey, and that is with the love of God. The love of God is the source, supply, and life 
of every disciple. And this leads to the second mark of being a Methodist. Mark 2 is a Methodist rejoices in God. Paul writes about our Lord's faithfulness. Paul tells Timothy that the Lord gave him strength to preach the entire message so all nations could hear the truth. Our God who creates, our God who redeems, and our God who sustains is the God of Paul's passage. You see, I can relate to Paul's message. Some of you have heard me refer to myself as a vessel. A vessel who is strengthened by my Lord to preach the entire message of the Bible so that all people can be transformed by God's grace to be disciples of Jesus Christ. Discipleship is a whole life response to God's grace. And like Paul, our lives are poured out as a sacrifice to God. Living faith is my response to God's love. I believe God's love deserves nothing less than living my life through costly discipleship. And as disciples of Jesus, we respond to God's love first because he, he loved us. We cannot love on our own. It is God's love to us that makes us able to love God and each other. We rejoice in his love for us through our love for him. And this love extends to others through the way we speak and act. I could have stayed here, but instead I got in my car and drove for three hours so that my daughter would not be alone. This love, though bringing me tears, tears of joy that I could be there with her on that journey. No matter what the results would be, I would be there with her, with my God. And my God would transform her in her beginning journey. From the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, who produces the fruit of the Spirit in each of us, it's through us and in us that we all can feel God's love. I hope you feel it today. I hope you heard my message with the tears running down my face, not as a sign of despair, but as a sign of hope and joy that through my love of my God and God's love of my daughter, everyone can experience that love and never be alone. Never feel abandoned and have enough love like Paul had to pour it out to others as a sacrifice of living for Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. The kingdom, thy kingdom come, thy will be done.
through each of us as disciples of Jesus Christ, as the Spirit dwells in us. And in dwelling, that opens our minds and hearts to living out our lives in righteousness of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen.